Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I am excited to talk with Chris Williams. Welcome, Chris. Hello. Thanks for having me on, David. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just start. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, and what your company is. Well, uh, as, I, as I said, uh, my name is Chris, and I uh, have a company where I uh, work as a content writer and website manager. Okay. Uh, this, uh, in, in this respect, I help companies expand, create, and market their web presences. The book we're talking about, uh, Living with Humans, uh, came about as a result of my 15 years renting across Silicon Valley while doing this, uh, building this work. Right now, I'm currently in Spokane, Washington, having uh, left the Bay Area for uh, for this area. And uh, after uh, after I did that, I decided it's time to roll that particular experience into something that's useful. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, so let's start with that. Tell us a little bit more about the book and what that's all about and how that came to be, what inspired you to write that. Sure. I uh, I moved down to the Bay Area in 2004 and uh, began work uh, both in the corporate sector and working on my own uh, business, doing functionally the same things, but uh, trying to be a little more creative with my own company. In so doing, I, I did indeed uh, come across uh, many uh, content writing and website projects, which allowed for quite a bit of creativity, a broad spectrum of uh, interest, which took me all throughout uh, most of the state along the way. In so doing, I, while living in the Bay Area, which is one of the most expensive areas in California to live, yeah. I ended up uh, renting uh, most of the time with um, other roommates and you know, sharing a, a house or an apartment with a few people to uh, reduce expenses. Along the way, after the fifth or so change to that, I began to notice that uh, two things kept coming up in terms of the renting experience. One was that there's all sorts of uh, unspoken rules around sharing a housing situation with others as an adult, as opposed to a, a, what you typically think of with the roommate situation, which is the college experience. Mm -hmm. The uh, adult experience is, is very different from that. Uh, however, most people didn't understand that. <laughs> they, <laughs> they would either treat it as a college experience, or they would have no idea what to do and just kind of fumble along and cause problems for themselves. <laughs> so I thought, well, someone should create a guidebook about this. We got thousands of how-to books on just about every other possible activity. Why don't we have one for making the most out of living with roommates? <laughs> nice. Cool. So then that inspired you to write a book. So um, what types of things did you find? And you don't have to like share the whole book, but what, what are some of the high level things that you, you found to be really useful for people in that process? Well, in the process, I let's see a few examples. Uh, one example would be how to work with landlords or property managers. 
mm. because I'm a professional and uh, have a sense of responsibility, I usually wound up being the one to work with the landlords and the property managers in maintaining the property, tackling issues and whatnot. This was a very educational experience along the way. As landlords and property managers, they're people too, but they're in a very different situation from the tenants. So approaching them as another tenant or just some other person is very bad. It uh, causes a lot of unnecessary complications. So that was one area that I made sure to put in the book. Another one, another one of course, was uh, making sure that the, uh, the lease used for tenant management, for, for governing how people come and go, is like 90% misunderstood by almost everybody. Now, being you know, an entrepreneur myself, I work with contracts all the time. So dealing with leases like this, it's, it's not terribly unusual. There's nothing that should stand out in terms of uh, the experience. But a lot of time there would be. You'd have instances where you'd, be, you'd have to question the legality of certain contracts, but you wouldn't know which ones to question. Mm. So after experiencing a lot of that and doing more research to supplement it and uh, finding some truly interesting and very illegal uh, insertions that people tried to put into contracts over the years, I thought, I better make sure this is well understood because that sort of thing should not happen at all. But we're humans and it does. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so fascinating. Yeah, that's really interesting. So take take us back though. Like you you you're in marketing and web de- development. Um, is that something that you always wanted to do? Did you did you always want to have your own business? Like, what was your kind of post school to entrepreneurial journey? Actually, I uh, after school I worked in IT. Okay, uh, I was uh, an IT support tech, then administrator for a few different companies. I enjoyed that work. It was, uh, it was good work. This was in the um, early 90s. Okay. I spent about seven years or so, maybe eight, <laughs> doing that. And then the dot-com bubble popped. Mm. And IT became a very undesirable field for many years for a lot of people. So I looked around. I was curious. Um, I had decided that I it would at least part-time uh, to the proverbial hanging out of the shingle and start on my own journey. And I looked around, I was curious for trying to find a field where I could leverage the IT experience, but place myself in a way that was still high valued without doing the exact same thing. Where would it cross? Where does IT cross with other items? It turns out there are several. What got my attention and what I had not realized was actually a field before then was the very nascent f- uh, field that we now call content marketing. Mm. It turns out that uh, that crossed over IT in terms of a lot of different fields that were growing at the time. We, uh, we know a lot of these fields by name now, SEO, conversion optimization, metadata, so on, so on, so on. These all intersected in this field, but also involved a lot of writing, which I had always enjoyed doing from pretty much the first time I could pick up a pencil. Nice. So I looked into this field and turns out, yes, it was indeed a field. It was in high demand. There is a, it it has good pay. (laughs) So I uh, started doing that. Uh, It, 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 slow start, I I admit, but uh, over time I I gained some traction and was able to do what I wish to do with uh, the time I had. Nice. So you, yeah, you, you saw what was happening and you looked for something that would, you could use your skills and also 
shift with how things were moving around you. Exactly. At the time, the content field, content marketing field was extremely nascent. It was very newly introduced. People were just beginning to leverage the, the potential of content on websites. The mm-hmm. websites themselves were still new as a business vehicle. Right. So my doing so, I, I unwittingly placed myself just before the trend started to pick up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I always uh, I think about this fairly often. So funny, my first job was in IT also. I was like a tech as well, just like, um, but I conversely did not enjoy the job. <laughs> I worked with <laughs> great people, but I was super bored. Um, but I, I think about how it's interesting for a lot of people who grew up in this sort of before and after with like there not being a whole lot and no internet, no, you know, I think, I don't know how old you, you're, I think you're a little bit older than me, but like our first computer I had in like second grade, we went to the computer lab and it was like, you know, kid picks and <laughs> all of that yep. fun stuff, Oregon yep. Trail. The very first computer I had was a Commodore 64. Nice. Yeah. So it's just interesting to, I'm curious on what your perspective is on having kind of grown up with that before and after and how that's shaped you at all, if you think that has had an effect. Oh, I'm certain it has. Uh, The being exposed to technology so early in life, it was almost a, almost a given at that point, because I found it so fascinating. The ability to create, to develop things, to record information in totally new ways, to share it with people in different ways. Just that, that one foundation was enough for me to, to launch what became my professional life off of there. It, there really was the, uh, when I was very young, when we didn't have the internet. We didn't have any of the fancy computers we have nowadays. I had wanted to be a paleontologist. Nice. So, you know, the, dig up the dinosaur bones, find the dinosaurs. Yeah. Because I loved dinosaurs as a, as a kid. However, as I quickly, uh, as time passed and I was spending more and more time working with computers, even the uh, old slow ones that take forever to work, uh, I realized that I'm not going to go down that path. This is the one I'm, I'm going down. One way yeah. or another, it will involve technology. And it was true. It has to this day. Nice. Yeah, that's super cool. I think uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that, well, it's just so crazy. Like my kids have never lived in a world where they couldn't just like swipe a screen and make it do stuff, right? <laughs> but I think that some of the value that can come from having known before that is just not allowing technology to be completely all-consuming, right? Still having intentionally creating some some space away from it, uh, where we're not just like constantly plugged in. Do you feel like you have that sense of like kind of awareness around that, or talk to me about what you think about that idea? Oh, I think you're quite right. There is a perspective that is uh, somewhat generationally unique, in that people like like you and I, people of our generation, grew up as technology grew up. So we can, in our minds, parse it as a sort of separate entity, a friend, as it were. We use it to benefit our lives. Younger generations, I see this in my nephews uh, and, uh, and uh, younger nieces, technology is their lives. There's no distinction. They yeah. don't have any uh, differentiation. Now, that doesn't mean they're so obsessed that they can't put the phone down and go outside for something. They do often. But it is a very different perspective from uh, one generation to the next. Technology has grown so quickly 
that we're witnessing a shift in how we approach it that has never, in my opinion, never been seen throughout history. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, cool. So in your being an entrepreneur and your journey, uh, what are some challenges that you've faced along that path? And then what, what did you take away from that? Mm, a very good question. Technology itself grows in cycles. We've seen it uh, because of the dot-com burst, the uh, 2008 recession, what we're seeing now with the tech markets going up and down, left and right. The crypto market is another example. These go in cycles. However, they're longer cycles than in some cases you might see in other businesses. Mm. So um, like you might see a, a, you know, a restaurant come up and then five years later, it's gone. If they didn't, they didn't do a good job. Now, right. technologies that I'm, I'm speaking in terms of broad technology trends, those can take five years just to get where they're mature. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a bit of a difference. And that presents itself. It's a challenge in that you can have mismatches between those, whereas one technology is still growing, another is mature, and they clash. I'm mm-hmm. speaking very abstractly, I grant you. But uh, one thing that uh, actually is related to the book here is um, payment processing for um, rentals. Okay. In the time that I rented for, I rented for 15 years in various different places. I think, I think eight different locations throughout those 15 years throughout California. The last one was the only one to use online payments. <laughs> nice. We've had PayPal for how long? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's been there for you know over a decade, and yet this industry. Now, this might be due to a metro market, but I, I do think it is. It applies to most rental markets nationwide. Mm-hmm. This industry is very slow to adopt tech trends that otherwise have surpassed them. Mm-hmm. So we see mismatches between technologies that produce significant challenges. I mean, why well, had one? where I had to physically drive to the property manager's office and drop a check off. Mm-hmm. How inefficient is that? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm over here like, I have a phone. I can just PayPal you this in 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I think there's also the, speaking to the same thing, there's the the technology and then the cultural side of things where like people are are maybe not ready for something that has been developed. And so then it, there's a mismatch there when it comes to like culture and technology. Have you seen some of that? Oh yeah, that that often happens. I think that's also a reflection, at least in part, of the generational gap we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, people of previous generations who didn't grow up alongside technology but grew up before technology, they may incorporate it in certain aspects of their life, but they may be uncertain about incorporating it into other aspects. Mm-hmm. I should say that uh, most of the property managers with whom I dealt in those times, they were older in their 50s, 60s, 70s even. So they were of a generation which had a culture that didn't quite adopt technology even close to the degree that we see today. Right. So it can provide a barrier, even though even if the technology is mature and waiting, the culture uh, mismatch can produce a barrier to adoption. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. So what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned in being an entrepreneur? Oh, uh, 
I would say the, the biggest lesson I have is that even if you're doing a service business, there is a product involved and you must market it mm. and then market it again <laughs> and again. <laughs> Promotion is a never-ending vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what industry you are, what, what product you provide, what audience you serve, mm-hmm. that you have a product that you must market and you must do so regularly. If you don't, you might as well throw the shingle out the window and go back to corporate. It yeah. will not work otherwise. Even if you enjoy early success, which I did for a period of time, if you fail to market consistently, you will lose that and it will not come back until you have gone back to consistent marketing. Mm. So speaking of marketing, since that's uh, part of your world, what do you think is something that people that creates the most success for people in their marketing? Mm. I have seen various marketing channels do very well for different people. It depends very much on their audience, their type of product or service, and the amount of time they have available. In almost every industry, and I I can't say every because we're all different in that respect, but I would say the most consistent one that entrepreneurs can use, small business all the way up to large, is email. Mm -hmm. It is the uh, most efficient method. It continues to have one of the best response rates of any channel out there. And you can produce it a a hundred different ways. Mm -hmm. You have Today, you have more options now than you did when I started by far. When I started, MailChimp was new. <laughs> That's an indication. Now yeah. we have wonderful uh, cha- uh, channel. We have this podcast right here. Podcasts are a wonderful marketing invention. But I find that uh, email, it, as an even as an extension of a podcast, can make it go further. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Okay. And so what about uh, just like a little bit of your personal life? What do you... How do you find in balancing the work, you know, being an entrepreneur, having the book, the author, and then, you know, doing things that you find fulfillment in your personal life? How is that for you? Struggle. <laughs> like so many of us, we, we struggle to turn it off and walk away even because there's always one more thing you can think to do. Yeah. What I find uh, helps are two things. One, of course, is to keep a dedicated task list for each of your objectives. Hmm. Always have, even if you're staring at it and you're thinking, okay, there's 16 things on this list I need to do. Get what you can done. And it'll be still be there the next time. Mm-hmm. These, uh, it's, it's still there. You can always come back. Mm-hmm. I also find that, um, now this may be a bit a little unusual, but different physical devices. Mm. For instance, I am looking at right now, I'm in front of one of my work computers right here. Mm-hmm. It's off screen here. I have over here, another of my work computers. These are both laptops. So they weren't expensive to pick up and they've done a great job. I keep all the files, objectives, task lists for one, one business on this side, a business mm-hmm. over here, mm-hmm. and a personal computer for personal one. Ah, yes. you separated it all out. Interesting. Yes. Okay. I did a I did a physical separation. I tried tried for a time just using um, different monitors on the mm-hmm. same system. It didn't work. Even if I would turn one monitor off to focus on another, the other monitor was still there, mm. just waiting for me to say, "Oh, why don't you come check this out? Why don't, look at all this new stuff I have." Mm-hmm. 
But if I, if I restrict to physical devices, my focus is far easier to maintain. Ah, okay. That's what I was going to say. So it's the focus that it allows you that you found the major benefit from doing that. Yes. I, uh, I'm sure I'm not alone in being somewhat easy to distract. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone at all. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the most challenging things I think for, for any entrepreneur is identifying and then executing on those, you know, the 80-20 the rule on that 20% of things that are the most important and not get distracted by the 80%. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So uh, let's see. What makes you feel fully alive? Mm. I would say two things. One are um, hikes in a forest. Mm. Walking in forests is a sublime place. It's, it's no coincidence that so many great philosophers enjoy doing taking forest walks. Whitman, Thoreau, Lao Tzu, a thousand others. There's a, there's a peace out there that you do not find anywhere else. Yeah, the other, I would, yeah, it's, it's, it's marvelous. That's uh, one of the reasons we, we moved up here. We are surrounded by forests. It's beautiful. Awesome. Another thing would be uh, the martial arts. Mm. I began studying the martial arts when I was 11 and never really let it go. Awesome. What I've particular had, field? Several. Or, I okay. started out doing, uh, doing Kenpo, which is a, um, a Japanese or originated style created by a man by the name of Ed Parker, who's a Hawaiian martial arts master who uh, worked with Bruce Lee for a time in Hollywood. I started with that and uh, studied a, a couple of other ones. Um, most recently, I'm uh, taking advantage of the, the internet's glories and uh, following lessons from two Shaolin Kung Fu practitioners. Cool. That's it's, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch, the, uh, watch these workouts go through. Nice. There's a, it's a fo- there's a focus that comes with it when you are dedicating yourself to doing martial arts at that time, very physical process, which, of course, helps to settle the mind at the same time. Yeah, 100%. Uh, love it. Super on board with both of those things. <laughs> I think they're both really important. Yeah, physical expression of energy and uh, being in nature, obviously. It's like where we come from. And it's a cool, it's just cool too, because, you know, we've been talking about technology this whole time and it's that, that juxtaposition between nature and then all of the stuff that we're creating that puts us in front of these screens. Um, but anyway, so for people who want to find out more information about you, you've got kind of two separate things. So tell us where to find you. If they're interested in the book and then where to find you if they're interested in the other work that you do. Sure. The, uh, the book, is you can find information and a preview chapter at livingwithhumans.info. Okay. And uh, for my, uh, my own content writing business, it, you can find that at blue-ferret, the small fuzzy animal.com. Okay, awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and spending some time with me today, Chris. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure, David. Thanks for having me on here. You bet. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. 
If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. The thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.